We're rolling. Okay. Roll. Rolling. Rolling. Uh, welcome back. Chad, today we're talking about do runners need upper body strength and why? Absolutely not. They do not. No. No. No strength. So, uh, you know, listen, backtracking, I'm going to go to where I was a kid, junior high school. You've got your presidential fitness test. You remember that? Oh, I loved those things. You loved those things? Yeah. Uh, that I was always did really well. My nightmare. Was okay, it? so you did really well. Yeah. So you could do the pull-ups? I did pull-ups for a while. I mean, I think it was maybe about, uh, it's probably about sixth grade when I started to go downhill with the push or the pull-ups. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's, uh, that's interesting in itself because, you know, again, depending on the length of your arms and just your mechanics and also where you're at in that stage of your growth in your life as mm -hmm. a kid, right? My daughter can do pull-ups and we've got her started on that stuff pretty early. But when I say started on it, I mean, she's a monkey and she's wanting to just hang on everything. And so it really wasn't something that we really structured that much. But as she was really getting more and more into that sort of stuff, we just had her start to learn a little bit more about how she could squeeze down on her armpits and brace properly and, and get in a proper pull-up, things like that. Mm -hmm. But it's just interesting when you look at that evolution, kids start by hanging on stuff, right? So that's it supports the point that you know we are supposed to have upper body strength and we're supposed to be able to do these things right and a lot of these things we could do when you're younger now for me i could not do pull-ups when i was in junior high mm. and that that is where i really started to get the much longer arms in fact i have kind of a longer torso in general and so that made it really difficult for me to do but i tell you what the presidential fitness test it was bittersweet right because when we got to the running part uh -huh. you know i i love that and even like the sit-ups which we know now doing sit-ups are not the best thing for especially the lower back and really to test your abdominal strength just a good old-fashioned curl up where you don't actually have your lower back leaving the ground, that is much more beneficial for us in training. But back then, it was all about sit-ups. I wonder where that came from, sit-ups. Oh, I mean... Uh, what kind of a test is that? What's that even good for? Like, I can understand pull-ups, like, from a functional standpoint. Like, you know, pull yourself up on something. That's a really amazing thing to do. But sit-up? Well, you know, training has come a long way. So back in the day, they did consider that to be a good test for abdominal flexion and and mm -hmm. uh, of course you know they would probably refer to that as just a good overall test for abdominal strength right yeah, yeah. but now we know that uh, you're actually doing a lot more compensation and stressing other areas that you shouldn't be so we were doing lots and lots of sit-ups and i would do fine at that but then i actually had my best numbers i think were in my sit-ups right besides the running and then you know you look at the push-ups i back then i think that i eked out maybe seven or eight but uh -huh. i'm sure they they look terrible i'm sure i wasn't actually bracing my spine and really doing it with good form but you know, you just do the best you can. And I think I was headbutting the ground with every push-up, right? 
<laughs> and for the pull-ups, I just you know hang there and, and listen to everybody laugh at me because I I couldn't get any. And I try to get that first pull in, and you uh-huh. just barely uh-huh. like bend your elbows, and you're just kind of wriggling around like a fish out of water, uh-huh. and trying to like kick your legs up. And yep, yep. Uh, I never could get my chin over the bar. Right. Dang. Yeah. And so you know I. I thought to myself back then, well, yeah, I don't even really need these things, right? Um, I wanted to be, junior high was when I started to realize that uh, I was pretty, I was pretty good at running and I really loved running more importantly. And so everything was around that, right? And um, I grew up certainly with a lot different information than we have now about strength training. So there really was no real emphasis on upper body strength for running, especially, you know, mm-hmm. when it came to the lower body strength, I mean, really, that was like, okay, you'll do some hill work, you'll do more miles, you'll do, you know, speed work, all that kind of stuff. And yes, that does strengthen the legs more. But of course, we talking about the upper body, why is that important if we're running on our legs, right? And that's what I wanted to get to today. So first of all, we talk about the upper body as if it's not useful in running. We want to say, why is it? Totally separate. Right. It's (laughs) like it's totally, yeah. And so I did obviously discover that strength training in the upper body is really important because first of all, we are looking at our rating with our stride. Okay. So our legs, let's just say that our legs are as strong as we need them to be and we can gulp good ground with our legs, right? When our upper body starts to lose stability we start to break and we can't hold our form we can't hold our posture with our upper body that's going to affect what we can do with our legs so Mm -hmm. as we're swinging our arms let's say and we start to sway our arms instead of just being able to go in that good glass tutu compact arm swing keeping our elbows bent and at a good 90 degree angle doing those things with good compact arm swing is really important so that the arms are able to help with overall balance, okay, and control. And that is where it really helps out the hips. And and of course, the legs are doing the majority of the work, but they do need that help with balance and control from the, the arms and the upper body. So that's where even the thoracic comes into play. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know how many people. I'm, I'm sure runners who have done over a certain number of miles at once have figured out that it's really hard to keep your arms at a 90 degree angle for a really long time. Like, I mean, you do it. You just sit in your chair and do it, and yeah, a few minutes go by and it's kind of okay. But after that, you really got to start concentrating on keeping those, keeping that 90 degree angle. And one of the things you were talking about earlier uh, today is you were telling me about one of the movements you're having uh, Ben Canute do. Yep. To, yep. to keep that arm in that 90-degree angle. Yeah. So, you know, being on a podcast and not having the visuals, I try to just keep things as simple as we can here. But with him, the that brachialis muscle in particular – Th- that muscle is Which going, runs down the side of the arm. It's going to basically connect, if you will, the lower uh, arm, the forearm, and the upper arm. And it's going to basically be under the bicep where we will be able to now 
use that to help hold that 90 degree position, right? So when we have a strong brachialis, then we can hold our arm swing position better. And that's just one muscle and one example. There's yeah. obviously a lot more that, that goes in with that. Um, the serratus anterior, for example, that they call the boxing muscle, and I call it, might as well call it the runner's muscle, right? That is helping to stabilize you, that serratus in that arm swing. And it is also important for that upward rotation of the scapula. And I've long since said, like, that's where also the thoracic comes into play. So if we have that good stability through the shoulder and we have good upward rotation of the scapula, now we have the ability to get decent rotation through our thoracic or our upper spine with good stability through our lower spine. So that's just one example about how these things can tie together. But if you can't hold that arm position and you start to lose that posture, then it really becomes um, a matter of the weakest link, right? So mm -hmm. I think that's the way runners really need to think of it is what what is the weakest link in the body? Because at a certain level, that link must be addressed if you want to get the most out of your body. So that we can't ignore our weakest link. And in my case, I couldn't ignore doing pull-ups. I had to be able to get to the point where I could do pull-ups. And sure enough, what ended up happening is with my ability to be able to get in pull-ups and to be able to eventually get up to 20 and, and above 20 pull-ups, that increased my ability for speed. You know, that had direct crossover to that for all the reasons really that I just talked about. So with more strength and stability, more of that gave me the ability to run faster, okay? And of course, I would say that let's not forget about the power economy part of things. So not just your a burst of speed, but also we can include now things like doing push-ups, um, even doing good weighted dumbbell presses with, I think, with more function towards running. So not the traditional chest press we've talked about before in other podcasts where you're pinning your shoulders back and you're restricting movement in your scaps, but where you are the push-up is a good way to think of this where you can now move the shoulder blade freely and even as you push the ground away keep pushing the ground away so you get more of that full range through the scapula and of course you get all the strength adaptions that are more relative for your running in your arm swing so that's where again even push-ups i had to learn how to do those properly you know not not headbutting the ground because I would, I would basically get my head to reach the ground way before the rest of my body, right? And then, <laughs> right? And then wonder why my shoulder hurt afterwards, uh -huh. right? So th this, is, this is the important factor is that we're actually training these things so that we're getting our weaker links supported and strengthened. And now we can maximize our potential for our gait more with our legs. So with our... What I just talked about with the arm swing, when your arms are swinging a little bit out or if you're over-rotating or if you just get plain tired and you start to do what I call the drummer where you start to basically drop your forearms down as you're mm -hmm. running and you're losing all of that capacity or that rhythm that could go towards gulping ground. Right. So you're losing some of that stability. You're losing some of that overall balance that supports the opposing leg. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's, that's where we start to lose ground, literally. We can't gulp as much ground. Our gait cycle can shorten up because of the arm swing. And so when we don't lose that posture and we can keep the arm rating up and swinging with good full potential, then we can keep that gait going and gulping. And that is really important to be able to get not only to the finish line faster or to, to get more efficient in those ways, but of course also to reduce the risk of injury. So let's, let's not forget that if we are not being able to control our posture, if we are essentially losing our form, then we are going to end up paying the price somehow because we're exceeding our current capacities. So if you want to be able to run longer than 15 minutes, let's say 15 minutes right now is just how long you can run and until you feel like you're starting to get in some sort of pain or just lose your efficiency and now running, you know, you can feel it. It's like way more difficult, right? Mm -hmm. a, a good measure to me, strength to me, is also a big protector when I'm doing strength training, I'm doing movements. And I was talking to you about this earlier today, Chad, is that uh, because I'm training for this new 50K first goal and then into 50 miles for the beginning of 2022, I'm now just prioritizing my running again, getting a lot more consistent. And quite honestly, it's just the game of life, but I haven't been able to get in as much consistency I wanted to. One with the Olympics, um, I would get in 20 minutes here and there, 30 minutes if I had time, mm -hmm. just enough to sort of maintain what I could. But also the fires hit here and yeah, in Reno. Smoky. Yeah, and you could not, you could, I couldn't just get out there and do a quick run. And um, so I've been, now the skies are clearer and clear enough where I can go out and run. And, I, and I've been running every day now, just starting off with 30 to 40 minutes. But, you know, I know because of the amount of time I've spent strength training that I also, I'm nobody's bulletproof, but I've also given myself a lot better ability to hold my posture, even when my lungs aren't as fit anymore and my cardiovascular system needs to ramp back up. But I know that my legs can handle it. And I know that my upper body can help to control my form and keep my form so I can go long and strong. So, you know, those are all big factors that give me a lot of assurance that I can keep going towards my goals. And I don't really worry about um, if I'm going to run into injuries. I mean, can it happen? Yes. But, um, you know, I, I say this because I believe so much in strength training, but I have improved my capacities enough where I feel like if I don't do anything really stupid, if I don't just all of a sudden double my miles or if I, if I don't just all of a sudden try to get in too much intensity too soon, those kind of things. But if I just go in the incremental plans that I have for myself, making good progress, I never worry about getting hurt in the process. And I, I want that for everybody. And that's where I kind of think strength training just gives me that base so that I don't have to worry about those things and I can just keep my training consistent. It's kind of, uh, I mean, it, it should be kind of a universal prehab, right? Right. That's kind of what you're talking about here is like, even when you can't run, say it's smoky outside or, or you know, life is just getting in the way and you can't get out for those runs and be consistent and um, use that sort of habit to kind of ward yourself against injuries if you can keep that strength training consistent 
that's what's going to help you when it's time to get back out or when you can get back out. That's going to help you get back out quicker and um, probably still have less injuries. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, looking at those factors again, like with the upper body in particular, I also want to point out that we kind of look like the at the the thorax or in your torso, we look at your ribs kind of like an accordion. And we want that good expansion of the ribs and for your respiration. And we want to kind of, you think about the, the runners that have like sort of that, that really big barrel chest to have all that capacity for, for their breathing. Right. And they have the shorter torso. Right. And you look at that as that extreme example of a really good, a really good runner that's really efficient at running. When you're doing these upper body workouts, that's also working these intercostal muscles. That's also enabling you to essentially breathe better because you've gotten stronger with your upper body and through these type of movements. And of course, a whole nother podcast, we'll talk more about the core and really what the core is and what it does for you and those type of things. But really just understanding that upper body strength is a good thing. And in fact, um, I just happened to be talking to Annie Fuller last night, who, again, she's... Um, Hashtag Fuller Force. Yeah, follow Annie because she's obviously one of the athletes that are in R3, and she's got a, uh, a great story to tell. She's an amazing athlete, and we believe in her, and her progress is coming along really well. But I was talking to her last night just about her program, She's, of course, following the R3 program, but the upper body work, that's the first time that she's really emphasized more of that. And we had this similar conversation of why we're doing that. And for her, she's been a pure runner for so long that we really knew that if I, if, if I want to get the most bang out of the buck that we can, then if I'm giving her upper body movements, she can hold her posture longer which will give her more benefit for her running that she hasn't done before. So, mm -hmm. you know, again, it's like, that's a boulder. That's an easy boulder that we can get to, we, you know, and, and when you look at that, sometimes, again, we talk about what training is, you have the granular stuff and this stuff can help out certainly a little bit, right? But let's get the boulders first. And so uh, for most, I'd say most distance runners, really their upper body strength if we looked at that because uh, you know core would be an obvious one and and we do think it's obviously super beneficial especially the longer an athlete's going to run for their core work but a lot of runners do core work mm -hmm. right but they haven't done the they haven't done really the upper body work and that's the missing link and that's the weak link because of that so if we can emphasize that a little bit more and when i say emphasize we're still training the other body parts but you know, it certainly feels emphasized because she hasn't been working on that much before this, right? And yeah. not in this way and not not with the progressions we have. And uh, she's definitely already feeling the benefits of that, which is really exciting to hear. So, you know, again, Annie's not going to have bolder shoulders because <laughs> she's working out her upper body now. That doesn't work that way. And we've talked about that in other podcasts. But 
it does allow her, she has this beautiful gulping gait that it allows her to keep that up and keep it going without shortening that gait up and allows her to do that longer than she could before. In other words, increasing those capacities. So Mm -hmm. consider upper body strength to be important, guys. It's not that we're saying to do it every day, but I think that if you're looking at really making good progress, uh, doing a couple strength workouts a week, literally if you get in two a week, that take you 30, maybe 40 minutes at the most, and you're getting in some upper body strength, that's going to go a long ways for you, especially if you haven't been doing it before. Heck yeah. Hey, everybody, follow us on the Instagrams and the Facebooks and see us on the internets at www.pendolaproject.com. It's been nice chatting with you, Matthew. Yeah, man. 